Okay, we are going to be talking about this one a lot on this podcast because today's episode is about a topic that's sort of a sneaky one. Today, we're going to be talking about the thing that I finally took a look at once I hit my wall in my healing journey. Things were getting better, symptoms were resolving, blood work was looking normal, but I was still tired and I couldn't get out of bed in the morning, even if I'd gotten a lot of sleep. And that's when I came across the idea of adrenal fatigue. Using air quotes, like you can see me, can't see me. (laughs) Adrenal fatigue or adrenal dysfunction. So take your hand and sort of reach them around to your back and rest them right about in the you know base of your rib cage, just above your your hip bones in that space there. That's about where your adrenal glands sit, right on top of your kidneys. And so even if they seem sort of far uh, when you think about where your thyroid is in the front of your neck and where your adrenals are, they are so closely related to what is happening in your thyroid that we have got to talk about it. In this episode, we're talking about the adrenals, the thyroid, and what happens when the feedback loop that goes between them totally breaks down. So grab a notebook, grab a pen, and let's get started with today's episode. Before we jump in, this week I've got a new quiz for you. It's the Adrenal Dysfunction Assessment. I'm so excited to share just another quick little tool with you this week, which is especially for people who are working on thyroid issues, but are still feeling fried, maybe not getting restful sleep, uh, have those sweet and salty food cravings, or just really can't seem to get answers on what's going on, even after they've been working at this thyroid issue thing for a while. So you can head to bit.ly slash thyroid dash tools to take the adrenal dysfunction quiz and see where you're at. This is a great tool to come back to over time to see what gains you've made in resolving these symptoms. So head to bit.ly slash thyroid dash tools to take the short quiz assessing symptoms that are connected with possible adrenal dysfunction that you're dealing with. And that could be the thing that's keeping you from feeling good as you move through your days. Welcome to The Natural Thyroid Fix. I'm Sarah Geisinger, a holistic lifestyle and nutrition coach and former hypothyroid mom who has reversed her thyroid disease using a natural approach to thyroid health. Trust me, I know what it feels like to move through life in a brain fog, needing a nap by mid-afternoon, and constantly be cleaning the hair you've lost out of the shower drain. Do you know what I'm talking about? If you're here, I bet you do. So if you're ready to reject the notion that this tired hypothyroid life is as good as it gets and start implementing simple, natural strategies to live a vibrant, symptom-free life, then this is the podcast for you. Let's dive into today's show. Hello there. So about 12 years ago, when I was trying to figure out what was happening with my body and unraveling what ultimately became clear that it was a thyroid issue and my eventual diagnosis with Hashimoto's thyroiditis, which if you haven't listened to the very first episode of this podcast, I kind of map out my whole story so you can go back and listen to episode one. However, in the middle of that, I came across the idea that maybe some of the symptoms that I was dealing with were not necessarily thyroid issues, even though they looked a lot like thyroid issues, but they were happening because my adrenals were out of whack. My adrenal glands were just kind of going off the deep end there. And this was something that I had just sort of like heard a little bit about. And, but basically I was at a point where, you know, I was taking some medication and that was helping, you know, I was peeling back the layers of thyroid disease as you do. 
and making some lifestyle changes that were having some benefits. My blood work was starting to show up more normal. We were starting to see some gains there. My brain fog was sort of resolving. Digestive issues were evening out. I wasn't feeling that like bone tired feeling that I'd been feeling for so long. You know, all of those things. I, I had cut out different reactive foods, foods that were problematic for me, things like gluten and dairy. And those symptoms started to resolve and the the blood work, especially for the thyroid stuff, started looking normal. But I kind of hit a wall uh, where I was still struggling, still struggling with my energy levels, still having unrefreshing sleep where I'd get like a good chunk of sleep. And then I would still wake up tired and struggle to get out of bed. That having that morning fatigue was a real problem and uh, also getting super hangry, really moody when I had not eaten consistently. I also was a night owl. I I still can be like this where I love to stay up late. And so I'm not, not having that natural, I wasn't having that natural wind down that you have as you head towards bedtime. So I would keep late hours and I would get more sleep, but then still wake up tired. And I started to read about this idea of adrenal fatigue. And so I read a bunch of articles. I started reading, a, a, I had a number of, I mean, my stack of books was accumulating pretty rapidly at that point. And so I took this idea to one of the doctors that I was seeing at the time. And uh, I was pretty quickly told that adrenal fatigue wasn't real. It wasn't a real diagnosis. It was a quack diagnosis. And I kind of uh, was like, all right, well, you know, what I'm doing is working. But eventually I decided to give it a deeper look because some things just weren't resolving. And so especially the things when I started to dig into what the symptoms were of adrenal fatigue, or really a better name for it now is uh, adrenal dysfunction. Just as we've understand it a little bit more, adrenal dysfunction is sort of a, a better way to describe it. And I'll talk more about the other ways that it is known as well. But adrenal dysfunction, some of the, the kind of hallmark symptoms are being tired in the morning, even after getting you know, a good night's sleep, being sensitive to bright lights, craving salt, craving sugar, being dependent on caffeine to kind of get you through the day, maybe being dependent on like a, something to relax you in the evening, maybe like a glass of wine, stuff like that. And so those are sort of some of the, the, the key things. There's, there's a bunch of other ones, which is why I encourage you to go take that adrenal dysfunction assessment and just see where you're at, which of the, which of the boxes you might check. But I checked quite a few boxes, especially with the things that were still my biggest complaints. And so I started to work on some interventions that were suggested for people dealing with adrenal dysfunction. And as I did those interventions, lo and behold, I started to feel better. As it turns out, this is a big deal because if you have a thyroid issue, you probably have an adrenal issue. The research shows that in somewhere in the neighborhood of 95% of hypothyroid patients have adrenal issues. And adrenal issues, they can kind of come in quite a few forms. There's sort of like a, I don't know, a continuum. There's there's things that, well, and it has they're known by quite a few names. So we can call it adrenal fatigue or adrenal stress. It's often known as adrenal dysfunction amongst a lot of practitioners these days. It's like official name is HPA axis dysfunction, which is short for hypothalamus pituitary adrenal axis dysfunction. So you can see why that's not the most popular thing to call the adrenal dysfunction. But this is something that there's a real conflict between the evidence that's presented and the experience of people that is that 
that are dealing with adrenal dysfunction. And this is actually very common in a lot of this. Is, well, it's not the, the only time. I don't want to say it's common. It's not the only scenario where the evidence that we find in research studies and what is, quote, known to most uh, medical practitioners, what's known to them is different from what patients are experiencing. So for example, very traditional general practitioners will say that leaky gut isn't a real thing. It doesn't exist. But then if you look it up by the term intestinal permeability, then there's tons of research out there. And so a lot of times we're talking about different terms for similar similar issues, similar problems. And so I think that's kind of where we're at uh, with adrenal dysfunction. In the world of most endocrinologists, a lot of traditional doctors, adrenal fatigue or adrenal dysfunction doesn't exist. You can have what's called Addison's disease, and Addison's disease is serious. It's like a, a big, I mean, not that adrenal dysfunction isn't serious, that is also serious, but Addison's disease is where your adrenals literally cannot make any of the hormones that they're supposed to make. But, and, and it's like life threatening, that level serious. But that is not the same as adrenal fatigue. Adrenal fatigue or adrenal dysfunction is just where those adrenals are not not making what the the hormones that they're supposed to make maybe in the right quantity or at the right time. They're maybe still making things, still functioning, but it's not functioning properly. So there's a difference there. And so that is, I, I get it. I have been down the road where you have told your story to doctors and maybe not been believed, or you've brought a question and sort of been gotten the hard brush off totally been there. And I know that's frustrating, but I hope that in this space on this podcast, you can feel encouraged. You can feel validated that the things you're feeling are real and you're not the only one who is feeling them. And so that is always my aim. And I would encourage you to continue to bring questions back to your doctor, or you always have the option to find a new practitioner to work with, which I think is really, really important because you want to have doctors who are on your side and are working with you, not working against you. It's just too hard to struggle through thyroid issues, or in this case, we're talking about adrenal issues, to struggle through them and not have a care team of people that are supportive and working with you. You don't want to be kind of getting into an argument every time you go into the office. But anyway, I, I could go down that tangent for a long time, but I won't because I have other episodes uh, in store about that topic specifically. So the the whole we're gonna we're gonna kind of talk about what adrenal dysfunction is, how it sort of happens, and how it is connected back to the thyroid. And then as we wrap it up today, I'm gonna have some suggestions for you to sort of peel back some layers and do a couple small shifts to support your adrenal system if it's something or your adrenal glands if it's something that needs support, which I'm gonna guess it probably is. There is uh, basically the idea of adrenal fatigue came about a number of years ago. It was actually it was quite some time ago. It came about with the idea that the adrenals were not able to make enough of the stress hormone. And so this was sort of described as a mild form of Addison's disease, not full-blown Addison disease. The, the adrenals were just too weak to work. And so this was kind of a great starting point for the idea of adrenal fatigue and that your adrenals could be functional, but not functioning well, and we need them to function well. And so what we've learned since then is this uh, idea of a more complete picture of HPA axis dysfunction, where we've got a connection between your hypothalamus, your pituitary gland, your adrenals, and how they all work together. And they're connected to, uh, they're also connected to what's happening in the thyroid. But basically, this is this idea that the body, as a result of being exposed to stress for a prolonged period of time, just starts to sort of maybe, I don't want to say the body gives up. That's sort of depressing. 
but maybe that's a good way to describe it. (laughs) That the body sort of just says, okay, I cannot keep up with supporting you. I'll use me, you, Sarah, in this high stress situation with all of the tools and raw materials that we have available to us. I cannot continue to provide all of the hormones and support that we need to keep you alive and safe in this this very stressful situation. And so it just can't. It just doesn't do it anymore. The adrenals may be capable of producing the stress hormones at the right time in the right doses, but they're not doing it because they're sort of being demanded more of the stress hormone at random times or consistently than they really need. And so they just kind of quit or, or, or slow down significantly. That is sort of what adrenal dysfunction looks like. There's a serious communication breakdown between the brain and the hormone-producing glands. If you want to dig in and look this up on PubMed, if you look up HPA access, you will find research there. If you look up, I mean, Addison's disease is really like a very extreme, the, this really, really super serious version of this. That's There's a lot of research there. Sometimes it's described as adrenal dysfunction. Uh, sometimes it's, distri- it's described by the hormones that the adrenals make, like cortisol is the most significant and most important of all of them. So you, those are all things that if you want to dig in and see what studies are out there about this, you can you know, head to PubMed. I always encourage you, head to PubMed, see what research is uh, being shown in, these, in this category. And yeah, I think you'll be surprised at what's out there. So adrenal dysfunction can come from anything that sends danger signals to the body and does it maybe too often. So for example, we, uh, if we are sleep deprived, if we're not eating enough, if we're working in a really demanding job, if we are involved in relationships but aren't healthy, if we're being nearly hit by a car or maybe chased by a tiger, these are all scenarios where we need our adrenals to be working well. And adrenal dysfunction comes into play when those scenarios, whatever they can be, and stress can look like lots of different things. It can look like working out too hard. It can look like not sleeping. It can look like just working in a high, so many things can be counted as stressors in our body. And so adrenal dysfunction comes in when there are too many of those stressors that we are living in a constant state of stress all the time. Because what happens is when we experience stress, our body sends a signal that it needs to sort of shift into survival mode. It needs to shift from just kind of going along, resting, digesting, healing, you know, all of those things that we it gets ramped up and we need to shift into survival mode. And so when we get these danger signals, we shift into that survival mode. But when we get them too often, then we end up sort of living in survival mode. And what survival mode looks like is high cortisol levels, which, which, well, I'll talk about the details of the hormones in a little bit, but basically high stress hormones, which then shake up all the other hormones, which then create these loops that cause other problems that create physical symptoms in our body, all because we are living in a constant stressed out state that causes our body to live in its survival mode. What it was intended to be the mode for like short, save your life, keep you safe situations. This is, this is where adrenal dysfunction comes from. And, you know, you take a look at our modern society. Our modern society is high stress, especially compared to our ancestors. When we look back, those stressors of modern life are much greater than they are 
than they were for, for our ancestors. I think just the other day, my husband and I were talking about how we aren't meant to know all that we know, all of the news of the entire world. You know, back in the day, you only knew the news of like your local community and maybe a little bit more, <laughs> or you found out the news of the little bit more of the larger world, like a couple weeks after it had happened. And so there's a different, a, a different sort of stress level that we are living in. This is problematic for our, not just for like our mental health, but it's problematic for our physical health in the form of our adrenals and our adrenal system and our hormone levels, which are all connected and help us to feel good. But here's the deal. If we can, just as we can send danger signals to our body that shifts it into survival mode, if we can send safety signals, then we can sort of override that survival mode by sending enough safety signals back to our body. We can stay in what's known as the parasympathetic rest and digest and safe sort of space rather than the survival mode. And so this is something that we need to focus on and it's something that we can do. I want to talk just a little bit about the specifics of what is happening in this hypothalamus adrenal thyroid connection um, situation. The hypothalamus is kind of like the CEO of our of our body's production of hormones. It's the, the overarching project manager sort. It sort of scans our bodies from our, it scans our, our environment, it scans our body, everything, and all of the other glands in our body. And it just checks our overall hormone status and levels before it sort of sends out the orders to the different glands that produce hormones to make more of those hormones. For example, like the pituitary gland. So the pituitary gland kind of acts as the uh, guy who then takes the orders from the leader and then passes it out to like the workers who are going to make sure that there's enough thyroid hormone from the thyroid gland, adrenals, that the adrenals are producing cortisol and the, um, all of the other hormones that the adrenals produce, that they all are producing what they need to produce and they're all doing their jobs. The other job that the pituitary gland does is by sending out those, those kind of signals saying, okay, all of you glands, make sure we have enough hormones. It also makes sure that we have enough resources, raw materials to be able to produce those hormones, that the thyroid has enough iodine, that the electrolytes are balanced, all of those things that we have enough resources to produce the hormones that our body needs for those scenarios. When there's an immediate stress, the hypothalamus senses that stress, it kind of sends out the signals and that leads to like a quick activation of what we often times call our fight or flight response. So, and as part of that, the adrenals pump out extra hormones. Our bodies go from like relaxed and digesting and healing to the survival mode state. And that's how it all goes down. Our hormones spike, things like cortisol and adrenaline go through the roof. Our body's ener energy gets shifted away from things that are not essential to survival, like growing hair and metabolizing nutrients into energy and making hormones and all that stuff. But it's totally focused on making sure that the demand for cortisol and adrenaline is met to get us into a safe situation. Because clearly, the signal for stress means we are not safe. We are in peril and we need to be able to get out of peril. So when we're talking about primitive people, these instincts were actually super important. You know, once you've escaped from the life-threatening bear or tiger or, you know, even today, you've jumped out of the way of an oncoming car then all of the demand for all those energy levels of stress hormone that settles down. And then you can go shift back to focus again into the parasympathetic response of focusing on body maintenance and healing and restoration and all that. But because of, like I said, that modern stressful life, we live in the emergency mode 
And then our adrenals just can't tell when the actual emergency is. And so then they just sort of give up with trying to maintain the proper levels of these hormones all the time because it can't really tell what is what is real, what is the real, what is real stress. To help meet the demand for cortisol, your body sort of decreases production of other hormones, especially in those stressed out stages. And those other hormones like progesterone, DHEA, testosterone, that production drops when there's high demand for cortisol. And so eventually with enough chronic stress, that whole, the adrenals, just the, well, the whole HPA axis sort of just becomes overwhelmed a little desensitized because there's a constant cry for stress, crisis, survival mode required. And it just sort of stops sending messages to the adrenals to produce more of those hormones or less hormones, no matter what is going on. And this process directly affects the thyroid because high cortisol will slow down thyroid hormone production because it's one of those things that when there's a high demand for cortisol, then thyroid hormone production just gets kind of second tiered. It's put to the bottom of the list. That that means that having constantly elevated cortisol can have a massive impact on thyroid function, meaning that you, if you are living in a highly stressed out state, having high cortisol, then you will have um, a low thyroid hormone production. This is something that we kind of can see in the early stages. High cortisol can actually increase anti antibody production if you're talking about Hashimoto's. And that can also inhibit the conversion of the T4 into T3. And so I talk about this a lot. We, our bodies make a lot of T4. Our, I mean, our, th our thyroid makes a lot of T4 and then our liver and some of the other tissues in our body and uh, organs in our body convert it to T3, which is the active form. And it, it just slows down even that conversion. So we're not having enough thyroid hormone to begin with. If we're stressed out and our adrenals are, are calling for more or creating more cortisol, then they're not going to be producing enough thyroid hormone that's not converting it to the active form. And it also increases the production of something called reverse T3, which I'm actually not going to dive into today too much because just know it's, it's problematic. If, you're, if your reverse T3 levels are elevated, then that if there's a lot of it present in your body, then it's an indicator that things aren't quite in balance. But I'll dive into that. I'm going to save that for another day. Basically, the system is just overwhelmed. In worst cases, like Addison's disease, the adrenals can't produce any hormones, like zero. And that's incredibly serious. It's life-threatening. Hormones are essential for our, uh, our ability to live, not just thrive, to actually live. It's critical. But just having the adrenal glands dysfunctional is actually enough to cause symptoms. And so that means that they may make some, but they're not making enough, or they're making the right amounts of hormones, but at the wrong times of day. So this is something that is fixable. And actually, you can start to see shifts in really just a few days, even maybe a couple weeks, you can start to see some real changes, which is encouraging. I always love when you can make some interventions and start to see gains pretty quickly. I want to give you a few things that you can do today to start moving the needle and how you feel. And again, these are not going to be all you need to do. This is not a extensive list of all the things, and these may not even have massive impacts. But as I always say, here's the deal. When you are approaching a thyroid issue, in this case, an adrenal issue, really any health issue from a holistic perspective, 
our wellness is a culmination of small steps combined together over time to create a massive impact. And so that means that you can make small choices, small moves today to start putting the pieces of the puzzle together that look like that full picture of health that I know is possible for you. The first thing that I would encourage you to do is number one, assume you have a problem. If you're diagnosed with hypothyroidism, then you have likely got some adrenal issues going on because that research suggests that something in the neighborhood of 95% of people who are hypothyroid do. And so because of that, you know, if you want to really be sure, you can get some testing done. If you, you're going to want to look for a cortisol test that measures your cortisol levels throughout the day, like at various times. And this is not something that you're going to find at your doctor's office generally. Doctor's offices will do cortisol tests, but they're normally blood tests. Um, sometimes they're saliva tests, but they're like a one-shot deal. What you want is the kind of saliva test that you're you're spitting into a tube or some kind of collection device. Uh, you're, you're doing that multiple times throughout a day because that's what you're looking for is when is your body producing the most cortisol? Cortisol should be high in the morning and it should taper throughout the day is, the, is what it should look like, that kind of a curve. And that's what you need to see. And so that's what you need to test. So I have some links in the show notes for some direct lab options where you can get testing sent straight to your home and do it on your own. You can also find uh, a number of different, um, lots of different practitioners who do this type of testing, but that's what you're looking for. Additionally, I have my little adrenal dysfunction inventory that you can take to tally up your sort of subjective symptoms that you're experiencing and just see if they are potentially connected to adrenal issues. So I would encourage you to do that. It's free. You can take that little quiz online by going to bit.ly slash thyroid dash tools. And the reason I'm saying to assume that you have a problem is because pretty much everyone even if you don't have a problem with your adrenals at the moment, um, pretty much everyone can benefit from supporting their stress response and their adrenal glands. I mean, everybody can. So unless you are, you've been working on this for a long time, we can all improve the way that we move through stressful situations uh, and stressors that our body will inevitably encounter. And so if we can work on these things, then we're going to be better set up when we do have stressors enter our life and have stressful situations that could potentially trigger adrenal dysfunction. So that's why I just say, assume you have a problem and do a couple things, especially small things. My second thing that I would encourage you to do is focus on stress management. And there are so many ways to approach this, but the bottom line is that you need to put in place some consistent and daily practices that are going to help you encounter stress better. You're going to encounter stress. It's going to happen. Your neighbor is going to yell at you. Your kid's going to annoy you. Whatever it is, you want to make sure that you encounter stress better by putting into practice some things that are going to help you manage that. That could be a daily walk, journaling, doing breathing exercises, limiting your phone slash social media time, prayer, meditation, using an essential oil over your heart and taking some deep breaths, breathing it in. Maybe it's putting up some boundaries around your time and your energy or finding a professional counselor to work through issues with. Choose one or two doable things for you that you can do to support how you navigate stress because this is more than just like a mental health suggestion or like some nice self-care thing to do because stress has physical implications on your physical health. I hope you can see that after listening to how the adrenals respond to stress. Mental health is physical health. It's all connected. So you can find some of my favorite tools for all of this, for managing this and suggestions 
at sarahgeisinger.com slash podcast.tools. That's also linked down in the show notes if that's easier too. Okay, number three, adjust your morning routine. Specifically, one, get some morning sun, and two, don't touch your phone. Not for the first hour anyway, that you're awake. Those are the two things I would encourage you to adjust in the morning specifically. Because morning is an important time to kind of tell your body that it just, everything's fine. We're at a good spot. And so if you can do that by, one, getting out in the sun, and that helps to reset your circadian rhythms, gets you kind of anchored to the actual world and the actual day. And then two, by not touching your phone, you are going to be just unplugged and limiting the number of stressors that are coming in your way. Allowing your body to adjust the circadian rhythm by getting out in that sun first thing in the morning without sunglasses. You need to not have sunglasses on is really, really helpful for bringing your body back into rhythm and balance, and that helps the adrenals. Plus, it's easy, right? That phone, too, leave your phone behind in your morning uh, routine, your morning excursion to the sun or, or having a cup of tea or, you know, a cup of coffee, whatever it is. Leave it behind. Leave it sitting for really, I would try and delay it as long as you can so that you're not just diving into the stressors that come as soon as you pick up that phone. When you get incoming text messages or someone difficult sends you an email or that crazy uncle of yours posts something political on Facebook or whatever. There's the news with triggering events or your coworker needs something, you know, you you'll you'll get to all that. You'll get to the stressors. So let your body settle into the day. It's not just a good habit, but it has a physical implication on your physical health too. Your adrenal and your thyroid will thank you for doing that. That's another just little thing. All right. So there we have it. Be sure to click the show notes to take that adrenal dysfunction assessment and find any of the tools that I've mentioned or any of the tools that I use to support the adrenal system. You can also see just by using that that adrenal dysfunction assessment, you'll see how high on the priority list focusing and zeroing in on your adrenal should be. These two things, thyroid and adrenals, are just so, so connected. And so it's important to know where you're at so you can see how far you've come over time. I hope that you're able to apply some of these things and make some small shifts forward towards feeling healthy and good because I firmly believe that when you do it that way, when you focus on the doable lifestyle shifts, living a symptom-free life is totally possible. And I want that for you. Real quick before you go, if this show has helped you in some way, then I know that it'll help others too. So please head over to iTunes, subscribe, and then leave a review so that more women can find health and healing too. And did you know that you can have an incredible impact on the women who deal with thyroid issues in your circle? Yep, that's right. All you have to do is take a screenshot of this podcast, tag me at natural.thyroid.fix and post it in your stories. Let's light a path for all the other hypothyroid mamas looking for hope and healing and to just feel like themselves again. I'll look forward to connecting with you over on Instagram. Until next time on The Natural Thyroid Fix.